It's going to be a two-bottle morning, so I'm just warning you right up front. If you would, turn your Bibles to the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verse 22. And I'm not going to ask you to stand this morning for the reading of God's Word, but in honor of God's Word, I know some of us use our phones for a Bible, but I just ask you to uh, turn off everything that will pop up, like your email, like your just everything that will pop up that will that will take your mind away from God's Word this morning because what God has to say to you this morning is utmost of importance and more important than anything you're going to receive on your electronic device. So if you do that for me, please, and Galatians chapter 3, you know I always get up here and I forget where Galatians is. This is pressure up here. You, you really don't know until you've done it. There it is, Galatians chapter 3. And uh, Galatians, we taught it in my class uh, probably six months, maybe a year ago we started it. And understand Galatians is not one church. It's a set of different churches in the area of Galatia, like a big county or something. And uh, in that churches at that time, they had an issue with uh, Jewish people that were coming into those churches and bringing uh, the Jewish religion, primarily the law, uh, and rather than uh, grace through faith into those churches. And Paul had to talk to those things uh, along in those churches in Galatia. So with that in mind, uh, sin was a big deal. But look with me in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 22. We read there, But the Scripture hath concluded. When it uses that word, the Scripture, the Scripture hath brought to an end all under sin. All under sin. That the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Now if you would real quickly turn over to the book of First John. Be to your right a little book towards the back. Right before Jude, right after First and Second Peter. But in First John chapter one and verse eight, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not on us. So if you say this morning, that you have no sin, that you have never sinned, and in my lifetime I have met one, and it wasn't Jesus Christ. It was a lady that came here. She couldn't be convinced that she had ever sinned. If we have that attitude, the truth is not in us, and we are a liar. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, once again we come before you and ask you to bless the reading of your word, Lord, this morning. Please clear my thoughts of things before and things going on after this service, Lord. And help us just to center on the table, Lord, uh, the centerpiece of your word. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. So, we have to come to the recognition of what sin is. And we all have our ideas, right? We all do. We've looked at our own lives and we've come up with these ideas of, of what is sin. Is it a complete list? Uh, may not be. Maybe you may be a lot smarter than me. I don't have a complete list. I learn something new every day. But sin is drawn out in scriptures to have a certain definition. So in looking at that, we all must agree, number one, that we all believe that the Bible is God's word, that the scriptures have been preserved and given to us today and we hold everything that God wants us to know about him in our hands through this book called the Bible. Now, first, number one, sin is transgression, an overstepping of the law, the divine boundary between good and evil. In Psalms chapter 51 and verse 1, and Buckle your seatbelts because we're going to be running through the Bible all day. In Psalms 51.1, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to, unto the multitudes of thy tender mercies. Blot out 
my transgressions. Jesus Christ did that on the cross. He blotted out my transgressions. He blotted out my sin, the past sins that I've committed, and even those that I will commit in the future. Because once I'm born again, I'm born again forever. No matter who I become. It's hard for some to believe. But the Bible tells me that they are blotted out as far as the east is from the west. Romans chapter 2 verse 23. Thou that makest thy boast of the law through breaking the law dishonorest dishonorest I think I'm saying that right. It's not sounding right in my ears. Dishonorest thou God. So it's a dishonor to break the law. It's a dishonor to break the holy law. It's dishonest to break the, the law of man. It's just dishonest. It's sin. And then 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4, Whosoever committeth sin, what does he do? Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth the law, for sin is the transgression of of the law. Now when I say the law and when the Bible says the law, we're not talking about all those extra rules that the Pharisees came up with. But we are talking within context of those things that God has given us. The Ten Commandments. Okay? How to treat uh, the opposite sex and to honor them. The things we're not supposed to do and the things that we're supposed to do. We are, if they're, if they're contained in God's Word, need to be looked at and see if they are relevant. Relevant, we're not talking about the priestly duties that I should be up here in a robe and that I should be on a ramp because I don't want you to see up my robe. It's in there. We've got to be able to distinguish those things as born-again believers in a New Testament age. And so... But whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And then secondly, not only transgression, but iniquity is sin. An act inherently wrong, whether expressly forbidden or not. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. They were talked to. Maybe somebody came and knocked on their door. Let me tell you about Jesus. They knew about God but they blew it off and didn't glorify Him as God. And neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. This is progressive. Listen to this. You want to be a progressive in today's? Listen to this verse here in chapter 1, verse 21. But became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, four-footed beasts, and to creeping things. Number three, error. A departure from the right, not the right wing. A departure from right, doing right. Romans 1.18 For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4 Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth the law for sin is transgression of the law. It's in error. Number four, missing the mark, a failure to meet the divine standard. Now, Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all. The Greek word is pos. It's used 1,243 times in 1,075 verses. In Hebrew, it is the word chal. It occurs 5,621 times in 4,664 verses. Everyone, raise your hand. Everybody raise your hand. Keep them up. Come on, raise your hand. 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 Oh, everybody, all is raising their hand right now. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then fifth, sin is trespass. An intrusion of self-will. Intrusion of self-will into the sphere of divine authority. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. And you hath he quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin. Number six, lawlessness. 
or spiritual anarchy. Anarchy defined as disorder due to non-recognition of authority. Why do we have a problem in the woke generation and the culture today? Because we have anarchy, a dishonor, a, a disorder due to non-recognition of the authority of God's Word in people's lives and the authority of God as the creator of the earth. 1 Timothy 1.9, knowing this, that the law is not made for righteous men. Man, if... Adam had never sinned, he would have remained a righteous man in application. And as a righteous man, Exodus, Deuteronomy, and Numbers would have never been written because Adam would have never sinned. He would have been a righteous man. Do you get that? Do you understand it? Is that, can, you, can you grasp that? But because Adam sinned and because that sin was passed on to all, let's raise our hands, come on. Pass on to all. We are lawless. Disobedient for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and for profane, for murders of fathers, for murders of mothers, for manslayers. And then lastly, number seven, and I could have went a lot further, but the last one is sin is unbelief or an insult to the divine veracity, uh, divine uh, facts. John chapter 16, verse 8, And when he, when he who? The Holy Spirit is come, he will what? He will reprove the world of what? Sin. And then down in verse 9, of sin because they believe not on me. Now, I think I'm getting ahead of myself here. All right. Now, I want to look at four men this morning and their reaction to their sin. But my purpose here is for you to figure out how it applies to you and your sin. Once again, for all have sinned. And we might even take the past tense off of it, for all sin. And then even let's throw a future onto it for those sins in the future. We'll sin. It's all. And if you deny that, what does the Bible say? What did it say to you're a liar. I won't be a liar. And we need to freely admit that. We need to freely admit that each and every one of us is a dirty, rotten, low down, no good sinner. And you say, Randy, why do you put it like that? Because our righteousness is as what? Filthy rags. So, I'm talking about filthy rags. First man we're going to look at. Uh, we need to kind of preference him a little bit. Uh, we're going to look at the leper uh, in the New Testament, but in Leviticus chapter 13 and verse 45, I want us to look at some rules. This is one of those rules, one of those laws that really doesn't make application today. In Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45, And the leper in whom the plague is, his clothes shall be rent. You see a leper? You're a leper. What do you do? You rip your clothes. Ripper, ripping the clothes in the Jewish culture is what? What is it? Come on, you know. Just say it. Mourning. Mourning. Somebody dies, I'm in mourning. I'm ripping my clothes. Um, and his head bare. My dad used to cut my hair when I was a kid with clippers, and he only knew one cut. <laughs> he didn't want to pay the two bucks out at the BX to get my hair cut because he had four boys. That'd been eight bucks. So I'm like, <laughs> same way with a leper. His head was to be bare. And he shall put a covering, covering upon his upper lip, and he shall cry when he sees people. Unclean! 
unclean, unclean. That was the law for the leper. That was that was for him to uh, not suffer um, uh, from those that were not unclean. It had to be made evident that, hey, don't come near me. Why? Because you could get infected. He had no control over his uncleanness. You know what? You know who has control over their uncleanness in here this morning? No control? All. You were born with it. You got the chromosome, you got the gene, whatever you want to call it in biology. You have sin that resides in your body. Now, as we take a look at the guy in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 2, And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. Matthew chapter 8, verse 2 here, And behold, there came a leper. Notice, not to proclaim that he was unclean, though the evidence was obvious. So, in a sense here, he's not touting his liberty and what he can do. He's coming to Christ without shouting, Unclean! Unclean! He didn't come doing that. He approached Christ without touting his liberty. But what he did do, it says that he worshipped. He come to Christ and he worshipped. What does that mean? If I asked you to define worship right now, and talking about our worship time that we have, could you give a clear, concise definition? It's pretty hard. Each of us may think, well, it's, it's probably different for each one of us. Well, let me share one aspect of it that ought to be the same for all of us. If you would, I'd like to make a contrast of Scripture with Scripture. The same event took place in Mark chapter 1 and verse 40. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him. And what did the last guy do when he got to Jesus? What did he do? We just said it. Worship. He worshipped. What does this guy in Mark do? This is what Mark's seen. And kneeling down to him. Oh, that's how we know he was worshiping. He actually took a physical stature in the way that he approached Christ to worship him. It's part of it. Shows our humility, doesn't it? You say, well, Randy, well, that's only one. Well, give me time. Luke chapter 5 and verse 12. And it came to pass... When he was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus, not only did he fall on his knees, but what did he do? He fell on his face. Total humbleness before the Lord. Now I understand there are some that due to physical problems and stuff, you can't kneel down at the chairs. You can't come forward and kneel here at the altar. But do you see the attitude that it conveys in one's heart and one's mind and what he's thinking, what he's doing, what he's trying to accomplish, what she's trying to accomplish? When they come before the Lord and they want to worship the Lord, what do they need to do? There needs to be something about, something that I look at when I see you that says, man, I can tell that person is truly worshiping. Matthew saw it. He called it worshiping. Luke saw it. Mark saw it, and it was the stature that they had when they knelt before the Lord. Then the Bible goes on to tell us that Jesus healed this man immediately. Now, allegorically, I want to throw that word in there because I thought it was kind of cool and made me look smart. <laughs> allegorically, the leprosy is sin. Ugly. You know, I called you a dirty, rotten sinner earlier. All our righteousness is as filthy rags. Sin is ugly, painful, and it's unavoidable. Either you have been healed immediately today by your faith and, and, and the grace of God through Jesus Christ, or you haven't. 
You're sitting in one of those two positions. Either you're healed or you're not. Either you're born again or you're not. Either you're dying and going to hell today if you were to pass away today if the Lord was to come back, or you're not. You're saved and you're going to, looking forward to that time you're going to go spend in heaven. I'm going to talk a little more in a little bit just about a guy that I can't wait to meet in heaven. Maybe one or two of you may remember. I've mentioned that before, but I'm looking forward to it. But that's the only two positions here this morning. You're one or you are the other. Either limited by your lack of faith to whatever Satan has for the best for you, or through your faith, you have just exactly what God has reserved for you for the very best for you, and you make that decision in your heart through your faith and through the shed blood of Jesus Christ which direction you're going to go. Because all have sinned. Nobody in here is exempt. And I know you hate to hear this, but none of you in here are special. Now, that's the first guy. I want to take a look at the second guy. I want to look at, at the guy, uh, the demonic from the land of the Gadareans. I had to turn this back over because Gadareans, if I'm not looking at it, I can't say it. Located east of the Jordan River in the Middle East and southeast of the Sea of Galilee. The majority of these folks are just like us. They're Gentiles. They were not Jewish people. You look over in Luke chapter 8 and verse 26, and I told you there's going to be a lot of scripture this morning because I don't want you listening to me. Hear what God has to say to you this morning. Luke chapter 8 and verse 26, and they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. Oh, he told you that. Verse 27, And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man, which had devils. Woo! Anybody ever met anybody with a devil? I think I did one time. I've told this story before. It was the morning before I was going to preach in here in services on Sunday morning. I was walking through Walmart. Can't remember what I was going after. But a man said something to me. And it turned me cold on the spot. Don't remember what he said. Don't know that I understood what he said. But I remember my spirit was changed when he said something to me. And I'll, I'll never, ever forget it. And you say, Randy, you're far out there. I'm sorry, that's me. Uh, he had devils a long time. And wear no clothes. This dude was naked. Neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. Verse 28, and when he saw Jesus, he cried out. And what did he do? He fell down before him. Who did he fall down in front of? Jesus, who come to meet him specifically. Woohoo, get all of that. Jesus didn't come to meet somebody else on that island. And in one of these stories, you see there's two men in, in one of the accounts of this. But all we have here is the account of one man came. And he fell down before him. And once again, comparing Scripture with Scripture, that's Luke's account. Turn over to Mark's account, chapter 5 and verse 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadareans. And when he was come out of the ship, he being Jesus, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man can bind him. Now listen how bad this dude is. No, not with chains, because he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been broken and plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. But in verse 5, And always night and day he was in the mountains, and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. Verse 6. I've got it bolded out in my notes. But when Jesus, when he saw Jesus, prearranged man, Jesus was coming to meet this guy. And Jesus wants to come and meet you today too. There's an appointed time that, hey, he's going to come into your life, his spirit's going to move, and he's going to give you an opportunity to be saved. To admit that you, hey, I'm one of those ones that's the, oh, I'm the one that's a sinner. 
I'm a dirty, rotten, no good sinner. I might be handsome. I might have a great voice to sing, but I'm still a dirty, rotten sinner. That's all of us. We've got to stay there. Don't leave that spot. You're there. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran. Did he wait? Oh, here comes Jesus. I think I'll just wander over here and see this dude. No, he ran to him. Man, it was important to him. It meant something. It's a big deal. He ran to him. And what did he do? Did he fall down and worship him? He sure did. He fell down and worshipped him. One thing, he worshipped him. We know that he fell down because Luke told us that. Now, want us to notice the world had no help nor satisfaction to change this man's situation. They tried. Didn't we read about it? Didn't they bind him with chains? Man, they didn't want to have to walk by this cemetery where their grandparents were dead and this naked man running around out there with no clothes on. And said, we got to do something about that. All the city leaders got together and said, hey, we're going to do something about this. Then it went from the city leaders to the county leaders, and then the governors got involved. Man, we need to bind this man up. We need to get him out of there so people want to go visit their, their kinfolk on Memorial Day and put flowers out there at the cemetery, but this guy's running around naked. The world tried to help him. Read it. The world tried to help him, but they didn't have the cure. Government don't have the cure. Oh my, what's happening Tuesday? Enough said. Y'all may have noticed, when we vote in November, I always try to wear this tie. And right here, I don't know if I used to wear this when I was riding a motorcycle, but it looks like it's been in the wind and it's, it's damaged a little bit. I do that on purpose. It's a constant reminder because you see which part of it that is tattered. Which is it? That's the preamble to the Constitution of the United States. All I got to say and all I can say is, hey, do your duty on Tuesday Amen. unless you go earlier. Now there I went and got sidetracked. <laughs> the world couldn't change his position. The world couldn't help him. And the reason that he was in the position that he, he was in is probably some outside influences in his life. And, and these demons, these, these satanic forces that entered his life, probably entered his life through his eye gate or his ear gate. They probably didn't come in through his mouth or through his ears. But it's probably something that he, he gazed upon that he looked at. Or maybe something that he was listening to or someone that he was listening to. We got that in our world today, don't we? It's called the internet. You can see and hear. And it ain't all good. It ain't all good. It's the reason that we have children that are being offended in our world today. Some exposure to evil camouflaged by fulfillment of sensual desires created by man through Satan, their master, until he was dominated totally by these demons. The end of the world is going to be like what? What's the end of the world? What does the Bible tell us the end of the world is going to be like? As in the days of who? What were the days of Noah like? Their thoughts and their minds were what? Evil continuously. Let me meddle a little bit here this morning. Let me meddle with y'all too. <laughs> how often do you, this is just personal, nobody raise your hand. How often during the day do you have evil thoughts? Man, I'd like to get even with that dude. Man, I'd like to go see that nudity on that website. Oh, I told you I was going to. I got to get on the ladies too, man. How often do I go out there and buy something that I really don't need? Amazon, yeah. <laughs> really? Let's be honest with ourselves. This is a place to be honest. You ain't got to do it with the person next to you. You guys can do it too. How often do you think of evil things? How often do you put that evil TV on and watch things we ought not be watching? How often do you put things in your body you ought not be putting in your body? I'm working on it. 
I don't want to be a liar, but I'm working on it. Really now, how often? I want you to answer the question to yourself. How often do you have evil thoughts? When are you in front of something you ought not be in front of? As in the days of Noah, their minds and their thoughts were evil continuously, trying to figure out what they were going to do next, trying to worry, figure out a time slot that they can do it so nobody else will be there to watch or to listen. Yeah, that's meddling right there. We see the same anti-biblical, anti-biblical, my word, evil in our society, in our culture today. Children exploited by public factions using porn and abortion. Yeah, I said it. If you ever read any of my comments out on Facebook, I vote one issue. And I vote one issue alone. Abortion's a nice word for it. It's baby butchery in my book. Whether it's with a needle or whether it's forceps, it doesn't matter. Once conceived, that baby has a soul that's accountable to God in heaven. That's my one issue. If this guy, and this can be you, you can be this guy or you can be this gal, saw Jesus afar off, fell and fell at his feet and worshipped him, having some type of prior preparation, conviction through the Holy Spirit that pushed him to the decision that there is more to this life than what I have today. And it's greater, and it lasts eternally. There's a Savior that taketh away the sins of the world. And all you have to do is believe him. Believe him. Don't believe me. John proclaimed he will take away. John the Baptist. John the Baptist. <laughs> He'll take away the sins of the world. Behold, this is my son for whom I am well pleased. Who said that? God the Father. God, the creator of the universe. And yet you think you are not in the all, that you are special? You are a sinner, but you can be saved by grace. And then in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, But God commendeth his love toward us, that while we were yet sinners, one of the all, Christ died for us, each and every one. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 18, for not he that commendeth himself is approved. You can't do it on your own. That's what he's saying here. You can't commend yourself. You know, what kind of guy in the army or the marines, you know, says, I'm going to run down here to the corner store or the trophy guy. I'm going to get me a medal and I'm going to pin it on myself. What does that medal mean? That medal means nothing. Or rather when his, his, those that are above him, those that he has served, when they choose to give him a medal, that medal has worth. It means something. It shows honor. Same thing in, in, in God's economy. You're not to commend yourself. But it goes on to say, the guy that is approved there in the second part of verse 18, but whom the Lord commendeth is approved. Now moving on to our third guy this morning. He's probably the most nebulous. I look for that word too. <laughs> Sounds smart. Um, of the four this morning, as I said earlier, for some reason, uh, one that I would look forward to meeting in heaven and catch this word, if... If he made it, he's dead. He was a Pharisee, a leading authority in the Sanhedrin, son of Simon ben Hillel, and grandson of the great Jewish teacher Hillel the Elder, a man held in great esteem by all Jews, and as the Jewish law teacher, he had a PhD. Woo! This is a smart man. He is a smart man in the law, in the rules, in the Bible that he had up to that point. This dude was it. Even Paul said, hey, I sat 
at the feet of this guy and learned of him. And you might ask, why do you call him nebulous, Randy? It sounds like you could uh, write his biography. Well, I did spend some time looking, looking him up. But he's nebulous because of what we're fixing to talk about. And you know what? He represents some of you in the way that you react to sin because you're kind of nebulous too. Can't really nail you down. Can't really nail you down. Why? Because you haven't stepped out. You haven't like uh, that leper or you haven't like the Gadarene. You haven't ran to Jesus. You just kind of him hauled your way around and got there. Turn to Acts chapter 5 if you would. In the first part of this chapter, we see a great tragedy of Ananias and Sapphira. Then we see in verse 14, And the believers were the more added to the Lord. Multitudes, both men and women. Man, the church is growing. Multitudes are being healed. Multitudes are being saved. People are coming to the Lord. Man, is a revival taking place. And then, because of that, we see the Sadducees that sit on the Sanhedrin and pastor made a joke about this a couple of weeks ago or about a month ago. He said San, uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, Sadducees, and they don't believe in the uh, resurrection, and that's why they're so sad, you see. So I just wanted to reiterate that. The <laughs> Bible says that they were filled in verses 17 and 18 with indignation, and they laid their hands on the apostles, and they put these apostles in the common prison. And they told them, no more preaching. No more Jesus. We can't have you bringing him up and bringing him out and stopping people in the streets and, and stopping the regular uh, passing of people so they can go spend their money and pay their taxes. And then from prison, they were released, the Bible says, by, by an angel or angels. And what did they do? And these were, man, those were circuit-riding preachers. These are guys who weren't going to be stopped. Dan Allen, I remember Dan Allen from church camp. Man, I just put him up there on the pedestal. Man, there wasn't nothing going to stop him. He put $100 out there and he said, any one of my grandsons that can whip me, I'll give you this $100. Man, he's a man's man, Dan Allen was. $100 finally got taken when he was 82 years old by three different grandsons. They split it three ways. But that's the way these guys were. Nobody was going to tell them to stop preaching. They're back out in the streets and they're preaching again. They got arrested again. In question. For our young people here in the first couple of rows, this is big. Peter was one of these, and he had a response to the government that came and got him, whatever those officials were. We ought to obey God rather than men. That's somebody that's all in. That's somebody that's all in. And this sent these guys, these, these false religious leaders, these Sanhedrin, these, these Sadducees. The Bible says that it sent these guys into a full rage. And our third guy, he speaks up in verse 34. Then stood there one up, one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law. He's got his Ph.D. Had in reputation among all the people. Man, he was lifted up. And commanded to put the apostles... Fourth, a little space. Hey, guys, wait a minute. Let's take our apostles over here. We need to talk. Let's put these apostles over here where they can't hear us. Let's get over here. Let's have a huddle over here, and we're going we're gonna to bring this thing together, and we're going to figure out what we need to do. He begins, and he tells them a story. It's a, a Theodos and Judas uh, of Galilee uh, wanting to re lead revolutions that failed in contrast to what the apostles were doing here at this time, too. Uh, and he says in verse 30, 38, he says, And now I say unto you, Sanhedrin, you leaders in the uh, religious government, refrain from these men, step back from these men, and let them alone. For if, 
For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. Nothing will happen. But in verse 39, I'll always be thankful for buts. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it. But if it be of God, you will not be able to overthrow it. But listen to the second part of this and let this sink down deep into your heart, deep into your mind. When he tells them that, if it be of God, uh, it'll come to, I mean, men, it'll come to naught. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it. Lest happily you find yourself fighting against God. Is that where you want to be? You want to find yourself fighting against God? You want to put your, place yourself in a position that the God of the universe, the God of creation, you decided you're going to take him on. You can handle it. And Gamaliel knew that. He knew this, he'd put this in such a way, he had framed his argument in such a way that the rest of them would step back. And that's what they did. But Gamaliel would not draw the line before uh, uh, in a sense of let your yay be yay and your nay be nays. And I don't know what went on. We don't know what went on in Gamaliel's life, but I think he's heard the gospel before. Honestly, and this is the reason I want to meet him because I want to hear this story. I want to hear the whole story. I want to be like, uh, what was his name, the rest of the story? Paul Harvey. Man, I want to hear it. Gamaliel, tell me the story. How did this all happen? Why did you say what you said? But if you look at the, 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 the history here, Gamaliel wouldn't go in with both feet. He just kind of stuck his toe into Christianity. And that's some of you here this morning. You relate to Gamaliel. You won't go in full bore. And you got other things that are more important. I've got other places to be. I don't understand what Jesus Christ was to the, the Gadarean in the tombs that ran naked. I don't know what Jesus Christ was to that guy that had leprosy and then he, he healed him immediately, right away, took his sins away. You know, you don't relate to that. But you relate and you sit right here with Gamaliel. I'll just put a toe in. I'll be there on Sunday. You'll see my face. You can rejoice in that I'm there. You can glorify God that I'm showing up in your presence on Sunday morning. All that other stuff, I'll take my chances. I'll wait until I stand before God at the judgment and let Him tell me if I did well or not. You're finding yourself fighting against God. And then lastly, our fourth guy. I was going to ask you all to remove that round thing back there, but I think we're doing pretty good. Our last guy... His reaction to sin, if you would, Matthew chapter 19, if you want to turn there. And folks, I shave time off of a message by putting mine in my notes, so I'm not turning there. That's for you. All right, but I guarantee you what I've got down in my notes is what you're reading in your book if you've got a King James 1611 in front of you. Matthew 19. We see Jesus preaching on sin again. That's our topic this morning. I want you to recognize what sin is. I want you to recognize that you're infected with it. He's preaching on sin like divorce, adultery, and then going and interacting after he, he's done with the preaching that morning in, in, in the morning service. He went over and he interacted with the children in Sunday school. And then after church is dismissed, there's a guy chasing Jesus down the road under conviction. He asks, good master, good master, good master, what good things shall I do that I may have this eternal life that you're talking about? And if you read it, he did everything right. Man, this is a guy that's got his hair cut right. He's wearing the right clothes. His mom and daddy said, man, he's one of the best kids in my family. People at church say, that guy right there, he's going to be a preacher someday. Man, he does it all right. Ten Commandments. 
not an issue for him. The law, not an issue for him. Just side story, wasn't an issue for Paul either when he was killing Christians, when he was taking them to Pilate. He was a good dude, but Jesus says, one thing thou lacks. One thing. Let me get in your business, Jesus says. He says, you go out there and you have a garage sale. You sell everything that you own in that garage sale. You make lots of money. And I'm sure he's thinking, give it to the church. He's wanting me to give all this money to the church. No, Jesus says, go and give it to the poor and hungry. What does it say about this guy's attitude in verse 22? But when the young man heard this, when he heard this saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He never came to that point of recognizing being part of the all, that that need for salvation meant more than all those possessions he had accumulated or that his father had left for him. They were more special to him than what Jesus could do for him. He missed the mark. And you leave here today unsaved, unborn again, as he told Nicodemus, taking part in the second birth, grace through faith, and you're going to miss the mark too. You say, Randy, that's a chance I want to take. Man, I'm the gambler. Man, I'll wait till that day I'm laying horizontal in bed. I'll do it then. I've got a lot of other things I want to do before then. I've got a lot of other ground I want to cover. You know what? We never see this guy on his deathbed. He may have got saved. But you know what? When he had the opportunity, when Christ was speaking to him the first time, he didn't listen. And the Bible teaches us as we are impacted by uh, the, the gospel over and over, and as we reject it over and over, our heart becomes hardened and it comes to the point that, hey, it don't mean anything anymore. I think that's a real issue in Sunday schools. Man, we teach them kids all about salvation. We teach it over and over and over. We wonder why our kids are leaving our churches. We don't take an active intestinal fortitude to get in there and ask those children, are you a believer? Are you saved? As Dave McCracken put it, are you saved? He gets that out of romance. Are you saved? But you know what? Each one of us in here too, one of the, all the alls, we need to come in contact with each other. Master Chief, are you saved? Yes, sir. <laughs> That's all there is to it. Did we get together for service and work it out? No, we didn't. And I'm not a sir. <laughs> I'm just a nut. <laughs> and not a very smart one at that. But I do know what my Heavenly Father has done for me. And I know in, in, in relation to what he did for me by comparison that I can never do enough for him. When I'm compelled, I need to react. And you're no different than I am. So, those words that everybody likes to hear in conclusion... How are you going to react to sin in your life? Number one, it is good to be a leper. It's good to be a leper. It used to be that guy, unclean! Unclean! This guy, he's got no nose. All the cartilage in his nose is gone. It's laying flat on his face. He's got sores on his neck and his forehead, on his arms. It's good to be that guy. Why? 
because you recognize what Jesus did for you. A miracle in your life. It's the same, no different than what that leper got. And if you turn it down, you throw it away. And it's going to be harder next time that you fall under conviction and the Holy Spirit's talking to you about getting your life right. Number two, it's good to be a Gadarean. As you reacted to Jesus Christ when you saw him, you ran. Man, you ran to him knowing you had, were in need of something. And your heart had been prepared. God's still speaking to you in such a way that you can react. It's good to be the Gadarene. But Gamaliel, Ph.D., the religious guy, what'd he do? He straddled the fence. Man, I like the Jewish religion. Man, this Christ, he did some miracles. Yeah, but man, I, this is where I get paid at. Wow. Can you believe the things that this guy does? Man, I saw him on the cross. Man, he was willing to do that for me. But, you know, I'm in the sight of the people. I'm somebody over here. He couldn't decide which side of the fence he wanted to straddle. He wouldn't go full bore. He had one toe in the water, one foot out. That's some of y'all this morning. A little bit of me. There's times I struggle. I never have the greatest lessons for my Sunday school class. Could I do better? You can always do better. You know, time, Brother Chuck, most precious thing we have. What better place to spend it than around His Word? Then that last guy. Don't want to be him. Outside those doors, there's all kinds of stuff. It's a world just waiting on you to come and enjoy it. Spend your money on it. But is it more important than what goes on in here? Is it more important than the relationship you have through Christ with your Heavenly Father? You're the all. How are you reacting to sin today? Let's bow our heads.